Podcast hosting provided by Transistor. If you want to host your own show, head over to Transistor.fm and start a 14-day free trial. Hello and welcome to Regen, the Electric Racing Podcast. I'm your host Dino, and I'm here with a man who's never without nautical socks, Nath. How are you doing, Nath? <laughs> wow, wow! I'm uh, I'm bare feet at the moment because it is stinking hot here in New Zealand. Um, but thanks for having me. Right, well that uh, that blows that out of the window. Um, and I'm also joined by returning guest Chris Soulsby from Motorsport Monday. How are you doing there, Chris? Very good, thank you. Great to be back on. Uh, recovering from a bit of a cold, so sorry if I'm a bit sniffly. But yeah, yeah, good to be back on. Happy to join you both. Brilliant. We're very sorry that we got you up early again to uh, to come on the pod, but very thankful. Uh, no worries, no worries. It's always good to be on. So I just have to uh, wake up. Okay, so let's crack on and start with media of the week. Uh, I'll start. My media of the week is Coast Season 5. So uh, we have checked out Coast New Zealand and thought, well, Neil Oliver's pretty cool. And so Season 5 is all about the UK. And Episode 1 focuses on the Isle of Man. Very interesting. Ooh. And uh, yeah, there's there's lots to go through. Um, they've got a really cool water wheel on the Isle of Man that helped in the gold mining days to uh, make sure they didn't get flooded, which was pretty neat. Wow. Hashtag learning. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, recommend it, fully recommend it. So, uh, Nath, what have, what have you been, been watching? Um, I haven't been, haven't been watching a whole lot. I've been, well, I've been... Been watching quite a bit of cricket actually lately. Um, India's touring New Zealand at the moment, oh, so we're in the right. midst of um, series of series of one day internationals. So I've just come from there to the to the podcast, and um, we're probably going to lose drastically again. So I don't mind uh, missing too much of the second half. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's hope for a comeback. <laughs> yeah, being thoroughly outplayed. Yep. And uh, Chris. I haven't really been watching anything uh, recently, but... Um, Listening to anything? I've been topping up on, up on my... Uh, well, not really either. I've been watching a lot of sitcoms on TV. Probably Are You Being Served, a show from the 70s, 80s. If you get a chance, check it out. Okay. <laughs> wow. Could, uh, yeah, genuinely, I know. Call me a man of the world. Uh, <laughs> but no, check it out. I've got no <laughs> idea what this is. <laughs> Nice, you if you're uh, listening from the UK, tune into Gold. I've, I've heard of it. Just gold. It's brilliant. You've got to watch it. It's funny. <laughs> you know, it's very niche, niche humor, but you know, it's good. It's very good. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been my life for the past mm-hmm. week. But you know, great fun. <laughs> nice. And uh, also here, you're binging the 24 hours of Daytona. Yeah, I watched a bit of the. Uh, Day 24 hours, did a bit of stuff in the magazine on that front. That's why I'm tired. We look forward to reading so, it. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> I hope it is. You know. I'm sure it will be. If it's up to the standard of the last few magazines, it'll be one to read. 
Oh, brilliant, yeah. To give it a peek. Alrighty. So, into the news. Jean-Eric Verne uh, has called the incident between Sam Bird um, and himself last week at the opening corner of the Marrakesh E-Prix his biggest mistake in his Formula E career. So he made a, a late lunge on the inside of Turn 1 and basically sent himself to the back of the field. Now, a couple of quotes here from uh, Jev. We're racing drivers at the end of the day and we go for the gap. So when I saw it, I went for it, but quickly realised that I couldn't make it. So I had to spin the car so that I didn't crash into Sam, as I didn't want to ruin his race. Today was my fault, but if this is the biggest mistake I've done in Formula E so far. Wow. So um, Jean-Eric Verne, very... I mean, to to take out Sam Bird would have been an absolute mm. catastrophe, but um, mm-hmm. good on... yeah. Good on Jeff for owning up. Yeah, and overall, he still had a very impressive race afterwards as well. You know, he, he kept himself well in the points, obviously not as well as he would have hoped to, but um, still, you know, worked his way up the field to take fifth in the end, so. It was a great recovery drive. It really was. So, yeah, yeah brilliant from him. And also his teammate Lotterer uh, was, was quite behind him, but started 20th, so, yeah, you, you can't really... They they both did a pretty good job in the end. Yeah, I would say so. I know. Um, I think Jeff was very frustrated after the race because if he had not hit, well, made the mistake in turn one, he would have been the firm favourite for that victory in Marrakesh. And uh, I saw. I think so. Uh, starting from twentieth mm. uh, to finish in sixth was again quite a good job. So uh, five six for DS to Cheetah, and not what they would have been searching for. But um, mm. yeah. You know, I think it's very justified that Vern um, took responsibility for that. It was a very opportunistic move, and he did pay mm. the price. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, and that uh, pretty much is our news. <laughs> so, we'll move straight into stuff from Santiago. We'll look at the fan boost first, and this is one of my favourite things. Nath, obviously not so much, but uh, Chris, <laughs> we I think we talked last time about your view of the fan boost. Yes, what are your I think we did. And... Yep. Okay, then. <laughs> I mean, I like fan boost. I think it's good. So, Chris, what do you think that um, there's not only five people that get it every week that we've seen? Verline, Da Costa, Apt, Buemi, Van Dorn, D'Ambrosio, Massa, and Degrassi get it. Sharing it around a bit. I mean, I think that's good because, um, I mean, with the top five getting fan boost now, it really does open up the voting. And obviously we've got the uh, the increased field size of 22. So uh, last season we saw a lot of repeat drivers um, getting fan boost. It was the only the top top three that got fan boost last season. We saw Daniel Apt get 12 uh, fan boosts in something like 13 races, which was crazy. And we'll still see this um, this season mm. again with Van Dorn, I mean. Van Dorn got 16% yeah, we of the vote, uh, which was crazy, crazy stuff. But um, I think it's good because different faces are popping up in the fan boost. I know at the start of the season I was I was predicting Massa to be in the top five um, in virtually every uh, race for fan boost, but to see D'Ambrosio up there was quite a surprise. It was, and also 
DaCosta, three out of three so far in the fan boost. Is that surprising to you? Um, kind of. I mean, last year wasn't his, last season wasn't his best season on record. It was a very tough year for uh, Andretti, obviously. But I think following his pace from pre-season testing and getting that win uh, at Arderia, it's probably helped his fan base grow quite a lot because he is a, he is a driver who does deserve success in Formula E because he's been there like, near to the beginning. Uh, so, you know, he's much overdue that, uh, that success. And uh, Nath, is this slowly appeasing you that um, more than five <laughs> people get the fan boost? <laughs> yeah, look, I have to say, Dean, you're really you're painting me every every time we talk about this as a real fan boost hater, and you know I have been in the past. But sorry, having having five people getting it now, um, you know, just having more than that that same three people every every time, it it is it is appeasing me. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I am, I am coming away. to. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming to enjoy it. I um I haven't yet reached the uh, the stage of voting every day, um like yourself, Dean. But um you never know. Maybe by the end of the season. Yeah. See, this is this is the reason why Mitch Evans hasn't got it yet, Nath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe it maybe might also be to... because he's not on a um. Well, you know, going back to what we talked about last week, maybe he's, he's not. He's not driving for one of the biggest um, manufacturers with the uh, the largest amount of resources to uh, to pull fan boost bo- van- yeah, fan that, boost that, boats. That could potentially be it as well. Um, and also interesting, uh, Stoffel Van Dorn getting less of the vote every single time. Mm. He's down to sixteen yeah. percent, yes. and seven uh, percent no longer the magic number. You needed ten point seven one, which was to Costa. So, um, what did Stoffel Van Dorn get in the first race? Because he was up at sixty percent in one stage, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. But I think it was he got something, some ridiculous margin. 30s. I want to say about twenty-five percent or something like that. I can't quite remember uh, now. I think it was yeah. higher than that. I think twenty-five percent was last race. Yeah. And uh, Dario, I think he got thirty-something percent of the vote. Yeah. Which is just crazy. But we'll yeah. see how he goes mm-hmm. next time. He definitely needs some love after. Uh, his performance, but we'll get to that. So, qualifying. What were your thoughts on qualifying, guys? Um, unpredictable, I would say, and surprising as well. Um, the uh, pace of the Group 1 runners really, really, really did shake up the grid, in all honesty. Because uh, I don't know if everyone knows, but um, in Group 1, the track conditions were much, much slower compared to the other three groups. So this left um, the, uh, the first five runners of qualifying, which was D'Ambrosio, Vern, Lottera, uh, Dan... Oh, God, the other two. It's too early in the morning over here. Um, Jeff. Brian, <laughs> yeah. You, you Jeff, read it, yeah. you've probably got it in front of you. No, I don't, but he wasn't happy and about the track evolution, so that's, that's in my notes. So... Yeah, Jeff obviously could could see that the track was evolving. All the leaves were getting swept away by him and everyone else in the first group, and and it was pretty well, yeah, it was pretty well evident with all of the second group beating everyone the the fastest in the first group. So yeah, 
there was, there was no way that that Jeff was was starting high up the grid, which which is a shame. Mm. Yeah, I mean we uh, we saw Vern actually top Group One with a one minute nine point three three zero seven second lap, and that was that was fairly pacey, I would say, um, compared to the other runners in that group. And with Group Two, we saw him pushed into sixth immediately, and at that point, you kind of realised that you're not going to be in Super Bowl. So yeah, that was that was hard. So D'Ambrosio, he. He looked like he had pace, but he made a mistake in the first corner, and that was that was him done. So a long way behind. I um I expected more from D'Ambrosio after the performance of of last race. Uh yeah, I would I would say so. I think the Mahindra has shown pace, uh, but he, I think he made a mistake in turn one, and that left him in twenty first at the end of qualifying. Um, later to be twentieth, but uh, that really did hamper him. In all honesty, he was only faster than Tom Dillman in the Neo. Oh, don't don't just Tom. We like Tom on the show. Tom we Dillman like Tom. is great. <laughs> Tom Dillman is great. So. He is. He's a great guy. Yeah. So. yeah, Tom, if you're listening, I gave you gave you a fan boost vote. So, yeah. <laughs> no, we like we, we like Tom on the show. Um, Degrassi, uh, he he knew something was up after his qualifying lap even before he got into into superpole breaking too much this is an interesting one breaking too much and heating up the brakes yeah i was gonna ask you what was going on here because i i didn't quite get the full story do you have more on this chris so um from my understanding for after marrakesh formula e implemented a new rule because your man, Tom Dillman, uh, had brake failure on his in-lap after his group qualifying run. Yeah, love you, Tom. Um, that caused him to crash into Robin Frines, and Frines then hit the back of Bird and so on. It was a very uh, messy accident in the pit lane. And um, mm. th- from my understanding, Formula E have introduced this rule where it means that drivers have to brake in the same pattern on their in-lap as to what they did on their fast lap. Don't quote me on this. But Degrassi infringed this new rule, which is the slow in-lap procedure, and that meant he was excluded from the final result. Right. So. Yeah, I think he probably should have got a grid drop instead of getting chucked out. I mean, he'd done his lap, broken the rules after he'd done the lap. Um. Yeah, that's that's way too harsh. Your thoughts, Nath? Yeah, I suppose it's always harsh when you have a when you have a new rule. Do you provide some leniency? You know, because it's the first time everyone's you know being exposed to this rule. You know, it's only come about in the last week or two. Or do you go hard on the on the first offenders to try and um, gain compliance with everyone else and scare everyone else into into following it in future? So. Um, yeah, it's it's I I can see the reasons for the rule now, but it does seem um it does seem pretty hard and and pretty pretty obscure to to follow as a as a driver. Yeah, that's that's annoying, and uh, you could feel his frustration. Um, but yeah, yeah, hopefully he learns from it. And um, Audi looked mm-hmm. really pacey. I mean, he was half a second quicker 
Um, it was it was a great yeah, lap. It was, it was so very fast. That's a real shame for them. He was a uh, half second faster than at the end when Boemi uh, qualified in second. But after qualifying, uh, Degrassi called it the uh, the stupidest rule that motorsport has uh, ever created, which probably left a Formula E press officer quivering in the background. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I, Probably, <laughs> poor press yeah, officer. But, you know, <laughs> I think with these penalties, at least make them yeah. um, wider knowledge potentially, or just make it easier to understand for the fans. Because you know, it's a hard penalty to get your head around if you are new to Formula E. Yeah, especially when it's a penalty that you know is is either for not doing something or for doing something that isn't in the race and isn't in qualifying yeah. but isn't like a a physical thing or a exceeding yeah, exactly. power usage or weight or something yeah, exactly. that you you know everyone's quite used to yeah i mean he's it's not like he's hit someone or he's you know had something illegal on his car he's just hmm. used his mm-hmm. brakes too much or too little we don't know um so yeah that's that's very very harsh Alrighty. Um, Super Pole, definitely, definitely the Degrassi show, uh, and then Boemi, and then Pascal Verline. I was excited to see Pascal, uh, to see what he could do, and he was ringing the neck of that car. He was on it. Last episode, I think Toby was very, very complimentary of uh, Pascal. What were your thoughts on him, Chris? Um, I think. On the run-up to Marrakesh, I said that uh, Verline in the top six for Super Bowl was one of my predictions, and he, he was seventh in Marrakesh, which was slightly annoying. I had to eat my own words on that one by one position. But, um... Ah, oh, you can just claim it, I think. <laughs> yeah, just just hide away on that one. But, um, in uh, Santiago, I thought it was good to see uh, Verline inside the top six. Because he is a guy who can make quite a big impact in Formula E from the outset, I think. And we did we did see that. He topped the group qualifying stages by two tenths of a second, I believe. Oh, just over, just under. Thoroughly impressive, in all honesty. Because Pascal Verlein's only 24 years old. When you think that he's had two years of experience in Formula 1 driving for Sauber and Manor, and he's also a DTM champion, that's very impressive. It's very impressive. It is, yeah. Oh well, look forward to look forward to seeing how he goes in Mexico. So we'll uh, we'll move into the race and the main talking points. First up, I've got Roland pushing Massa into the wall. This one was a bit sloppy from Roland, but um, I thought you know, part of me thinks, well, there are new cars, you know, it, it's. Should Massa have braked to there, or, or you know, are we just looking at at Roland being a bully? Um, it's. I feel like Massa is having a really hard time. Um, you know, really hard introduction to Formula Formula E. People certainly aren't. Um, you know, giving him the the. You know, he's a he's a well experienced driver. Respect that uh, that they may have given him. He's he's certainly getting the the tough end of the stick. Yeah, but I think, you know, Roland's a rookie. Massa's a rookie. They probably don't care, you know? Yeah, true. Do you have any thoughts on this, Chris? Uh, with the Massa retirement, no, um, I've got some stuff to say. Um, with the Massa retirement, um, I think 
I mean, according to Massa's quotes post race, um, he tried to for, he tried to overtake Max Gunther, got pushed out wide and hit the wall on the entry into turn fourteen. Then, because he was offline, uh, was pushed into the wall again by Roland. So it was two separate bits of contact that brought his race to an end. But I think it was well potentially a little bit greedy from Roland. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to you've got to push you've got to push past and get all the positions you can in Formula E. And overtaking wasn't uh, there wasn't that much overtaking in Santiago as well. But it has been a very very difficult start for Massa. Yeah. Took 17th in Adderia, 18th in Marrakesh, and then retired in uh, Santiago. So, yeah. And I think that those struggles are... It's going to get harder as well. It is. It is. And I think think his struggles potentially reflected the fan boost voting for him. So uh, the race was in Chile. He's from Brazil. It's the same continent you would expect. You would expect that Massa would get a lot of voting there, but no. So... That is interesting, um, and it, it could potentially get harder with Mortara doing a really good job this race. Yeah, Mortara was very impressive, and he took Venturi's first points of the year. Yeah, so, um, any Venturi car. I think Felipe might have been a little bit disappointed about that, because definitely many expected that Massa would have the upper hand over Mortara this season. He's already 12 points behind now. I mean, I fully expected it. don't know about you, Nath. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought Felipe Massa coming in would, yeah, he he would uh, be way more competitive than he's been so far, um, just from his his years of experience. Moving along, Buemi, spinning it into the wall while leading the race. Now, I've got to say, this one I could see it coming to be honest, and especially after he missed um, practice two because he absolutely munted his car. Similar, similar place. Now, what what's going on with Buemi this year? Um, with Buemi crashing out in turn one, it was he was in a prime position to win that race. If he had one, it would have been his first win since Berlin 2017. So he was probably weeping after that. But, um, yeah. And was it a problem with the car, or was it just driver error? I think it certainly wasn't helped by the the track starting to break up as well. Yeah, that's true, Nath. Um, I, I saw a a post after the race that the track looked terrible. It was um, yeah, all over the place. It certainly seemed the further you got into the race, that you know, as soon as they were slightly offline, um, you know, it just just compounded any error exponentially. And we saw that with Stoffel Van Dorn, just getting you know. Defending in the wrong spot and then into the wall. Yeah. Ugh, I mean, he can't catch a break, can he, at the moment? I mean, he was looking really good, qualified well. I think he started fifth. Yeah, uh, Van Dorn started in fifth. Uh, he was running in sixth and then uh, crashed out. Um, and caused the second full course yellow of, yellow of the race. I think the track conditions really uh, played a part of this. I mean, the uh, the track was effectively uh, melting in all mm. honesty because they were racing in 37 degree heat, uh, which is Formula E's hottest ever race. Mate. So. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I know there's been, there's been a lot of questions about the actual safety of the uh, 
Parky O'Higgins circuit after the weekend because there was so much marbling. So we'll uh, we'll see what see what comes of that. But very unlucky for Vandal. Mm. Very unlucky. Very unlucky for sure. Okay, Pascal Verline, uh, good race from him. He kept out of trouble and uh, a second place. Very, very good. We won't go into him again. Uh, Sam Bird, what did you think of his race, Nath? I was, I was really impressed. Um, I think even if um, Boemi hadn't crashed into the wall, I think we would have seen Sam Bird try and um, make some very aggressive moves later on just to get in first place. So I think he did well with with Wurline, um you know behind him for most of the second half of the race um fairly closely he did well to hold on to that and i think he he deserved the win yeah one thing i'm going to ask now there was a couple of safety cars a couple of four course yellows well i think there was only four course yellows but sandbird was very very low on energy at the end of the race do you think potentially if there wasn't as many crashes would we have seen the the Envision Virgin run out of energy, or or him dropping down down the order. It's interesting you say that because with yeah because I noticed on that last last lap lap and a half, Wurline really pulled back with battery temperature issues. I think it was. Um, it was yeah. But he still seemed to have a couple of percent more energy than Bird. So whether it's a difference in the cars or um you know whether whether Bird was just pushing it to the limit and not uh, not kind of considering that. I think I think that's a good point, Dean. Um, it would have been quite interesting to see uh, what would have happened. Um, yeah, I think that's a very interesting point, in all honesty. I hadn't actually even thought about that. But yeah, we saw Sam cross the finishing line with about 3%, I think. But the, uh, without four course yellows, it would have been very interesting to watch. Because, I mean, with the track temperatures as well, when um, the temperatures are very high in Formula E race, uh, battery uh, car performance goes down, uh, battery life becomes critical, and that's why we saw Pascal Verline um, really slow down towards the end, just to manage that problem. Mm. If those two full-course yellows hadn't come out, we would have probably seen a lot of drivers struggling, which, which could have been a very difficult situation for Formula E. With cars running out of energy in the last lap, I would have loved that. <laughs> that would have been, yeah. That's, that's what I. That's what I'm about. Yeah, okay. would have been. Would have been anarchy. Let, let's go into it. There was only 14 cars that actually finished the race. Maximilian Gunther, he stopped. Full course yellow. Unfortunate for Maxi, because he was he was running well. We had Van Dorn. We had Boemi, we had, um, who else did we have? Oh, Vern. Uh, De Costa retired as well. Oh, Vern decided to, to yeah, yeah, De Costa. De- so, Dillman. Yeah. Dil- oh, oh, Tom Dillman. Uh, Roland as well retired. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Roland as well. So, it's a long old list. It was just absolute carnage. It is. And it's yeah. not normally that long. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight retirements. Eight retirements versus the usual three, four. Yeah, that's that's pretty telling. Tough race. Mm. And some big names in there retiring as well. Big names, big championship protagonist names. 
I think we, we had a discussion about it last last podcast when we were making our predictions about Santiago. And I remember saying I don't think we've... We, well, we haven't seen the full potential of Jean-Eric Verne yet. And we certainly didn't this this season... Or this race, sorry. So um, I can imagine he's only getting more and more frustrated when he knows he's got the pace. But it's these mistakes, you know, those this, this first corner mistakes and... and you know, getting getting tipped around and having a few issues this race. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see how how he's going to pull that into the next couple of races. And before we get on to driver of the day, Daniel Apt, he was going about it very quietly. What did you think of his race, Chris? Today was his best race, I think. Um, in his case, uh, slow and steady uh, didn't win the race, but it did get him a podium. <laughs> Thank like you. Um, he was very consistent with his lap times. Uh, he stayed out of trouble, kept his nose clean, and it was good enough for third. He got third because Alexander Sims got a post-race time penalty. And that was because he allegedly spun Eduardo Mortara. Uh, the cameras picked it up, but Sims didn't seem to think that um, any contact uh, was actually made. In between the two, which is quite an interesting. It was the slightest tap, slightest yeah, little tap, slightest nudge, if anything. At yeah, just the right point around a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was unlucky for Sims. Okay, uh, driver of the day. I'm going to go with Pascal Verlein. Nath. Oh, I have to agree with uh, with you there, Dean. With with Pascal, um, if he hadn't had those battery temperature issues coming into the last few laps, I think we probably would have seen him try another lunge or two on Sam Bird, so that could have had some interesting results there. Well, that would have been spicy. Yes, yeah. yes we, want, we want that. We want that in Mexico. Uh, Chris? For me, it is between either Robin Frines or Sam Bird. Uh, so I think it's very difficult to pick between the two Envision Virgin drivers. So with Frines, he started in a 15th place and then finished in 5th. Uh, that could have been 4th because he tried to nice uh, overtake around the outside of Edward and Mortara, only to get shoved into the wall. But for, um, for Bird, he started in fourth, uh, overtook Apt at the end of lap one, then cleared Verline, and then obviously got the lead at the end because of a Buemi's accident. But I think Bird was exceptional, exceptional to be able to, you know, clear two quick drivers. And then pressure Buemi enough so you would make that mistake in the end. I have to say, we haven't talked about it this episode, but solid drive for Mitch Evans as well. Yeah, that was pretty good. From starting a wee way back down the grid, you know, kept himself out of trouble for the most part of the race and, and just picked up some solid solid overtakes and um, was a decent finish in sixth. And at one point, it was an absolute melee in the midfield. It was like four or five cars that were... And then Gary yeah. Buffett, I think, was lapped and he was in the middle of it all and everyone yeah. was just going for and it. And everyone just nose to tailing it at at the hip and seemingly every every lap there was there was more contact, so Yeah. No, good on you, Mitch. Mm. Yeah, it was a good result for Mitch. Okay, predictions. We have a prediction league, so if you would like to join the prediction league and contribute, uh, what we do is we pick Super Pole, Podium and the first retirement. Dan from Formula E, um, Formula 1 slash Formula E reviews, does it with us, and he went with, for Super Pole, Da Costa, Verne, Verline, Degrassi, Lotra and Evans, Podium, Verne, Verline, and Frains. 
into his first retirement, PK Jr. I like that. I went with Apt, Evans, Frains, Verline and Bird, and I couldn't think who else would have got there. The Super Bowl podium, Apt, which I got, Evans and Frains. Um, first retirement, Gary Paffett. Nath, what did you go with? I'm a bit slower on these things, so I went for Super Bowl, Apt, Bird, uh, Jean-Eric Verne, Mitch Evans and Antonio Felix da Costa. Um, and I was expecting Jeff to take out the podium this time, which was, which was disappointing. Um, and first retirement, I, oh, Felipe Massa, just to, uh, to keep things spicy. Yeah, fair enough. Well, he certainly hasn't had much luck recently, so it's probably a good shout. Okay, updates to the Drivers and Constructors Championship has moved around slightly. It's getting interesting. Yeah, so s- starting from the bottom, we have HWA Race Lab um, with zero points still. Uh, Geox Dragon with two points. Neo sitting with four. Venturi with 12. Nissan Edams on 21. Closely followed by Panasonic Jaguar on 23. Audi Sport App Schaeffler on 30. Uh, with BMW Andretti in fourth with 46 points. DS Cheetah in third with 47 points, Mahindra on 59, and currently leading the Constructors' Championship in Vision Virgin Racing on 71 points. 71 points. Mm, got a good lead. Race 1, 0. Race 2, 36. Race 3, 35. Incredible. They're, they're going well. Robin Frains and Sam Bird. To be honest, Mahindra are doing very well to be in second as well. You know, out of six finishes, you know, three races, two cars, they've had two retirements in there. So they're doing well to be with uh, 59 points. Yeah. Do you want to add anything, Chris? I think the Vision Virgin have been particularly particularly impressive. They missed out in the top 10 in the first race, but then 36 points in Marrakesh and then 35 in Santiago is definitely a good result. They're also an independent team this year, obviously, and they're, uh, they're using the Audi customer powertrain. Uh, from the works team so I think that's very interesting to look at, it's a similar situation to what Tachita had in season 4 with their relationship to Renault Edams um, but obviously Envision Virgin have not had as much testing as the Audi work te- works team although I do think that they did get some of Audi's uh, powertrain testing time in just ahead of pre-season test and in private testing Obviously, Mahindra, again, very strong start. It's interesting to see the customer team outperforming the, uh, the, you know, the Audi factory team by quite, quite a significant margin. Obviously, still early days, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, um, yeah. It is interesting to see that. I mean, you saw Tachita absolutely destroy what was Renault Edams last season. Do you, do you think Envision can continue this charge Nath you know Sam Bird is such a such a fast driver and he's got so much experience so I certainly think they're going to be right up there um, towards the end of the season but we've got a similar situation developing now that we that we had with Audi last season as well where the first couple of races were an absolute write-off for them but then they came right back with really consistent finishes towards the end of the season who knows it's anyone's game well, not quite anyone. There's a few teams that we don't think are going to make it, but... <laughs> yeah, we'll just uh, just not mention them. <laughs> right. 
Um, Chris, just finally, do you think Envision can can keep the charge going? I think it's too early to say. Uh, last year we saw Audi obviously resurge in uh, Mexico City, and there was something like eight eight consecutive podium finishes for the team in the final eight races. So I think there is plenty of time for Audi to really attack that customer team mm. uh, in, in the nicest way possible. Yeah, I think it is anyone's game at the moment. We haven't seen DS to treat her, um, fulfill their maximum potential. Absolutely not. They've been quite unlucky so far this year. They actually, in, um, in Santiago, uh, with Lotterer finishing in 13th and Vern retiring, that ended a scoring streak of 20 races with the Cheetah. Wow. Which was a, an unfortunate end to a nice statistic. That's, yeah. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> You're pretty much looking mm. at two seasons of scoring every yeah. time. Not yeah, the last non-score was the 2017 Paris Prix. To put another statistic in there as well, Sam Bird, first driver to finish a race in first in all five seasons? Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible to win a race win in race. every season. So, do you, do you think? Um, I mean, he's driving very quickly, and I mean, round one was a bit of a bogey, but I think he'll continuously pick up points, and and that's the reason. I mean, he's he's he seems to be one of the title protagonists every year, and and I think that's going to continue. Yeah. yeah, I would say so. He's a very um... No, he's just a very reliable driver, in all honesty. Um, if there's a a man uh, that you need behind the wheel of a car, it's Sam Bird. He will uh, always push Renova to take on track. Um, you know, and I do agree, if uh, if Boemi hadn't crashed uh, in Turn 7, I think he would have eventually gotten past uh, the Nissan. Yeah, I think he would have got there in the end anyway. Okay, so the driver's standings. We'll start uh, from the people that have points. Um, so, without points, at the moment, Felipe Massa, Stoffel Van Dorn, Gary Paffett, Tom Dillman, Maximilian Gunther, that was unlucky. Okay, Nelson PK Jr. in 17th with one point. Just got to say as well, Mitch Evans, absolutely destroying PK once again. And it's, it's, uh, it's turning into a bad statistic if PK can't, can't get one over on Evans. Jose Maria Lopez with two points. Oliver Turvey, four points. Good pickup for Neo. Oliver Rowland, six points. Lucas Degrassi, nine. Eduardo Mortara, 12. Boemi with 15. Sims and Verline with 18. Andre Lotero with 19. Daniel App, 21. Mitch Evans, 22. Jean Eric Verne, Robin Frains, and Antonio Felix da Costa all with 28. D'Ambrosio with 41. And Sam Bird, 43, and moves to the top of the championship. Following on from that, is there any last thoughts from you, Chris or Nath? Um, I think from what you said about uh, Pico with one point compared to Evans's 22, um, that is turning it were a bit of a bad statistic for Pico. But I think this is going to be controversial. I do think Evans is the better driver. Mic drop. Well, it won't be controversial yeah. on this show. <laughs> so, yeah. It might be the only show it's not controversial on, Chris. So. <laughs> yeah, you're free to you're free to say that Perfect. on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm thoroughly looking forward to to Mexico City in a couple of weeks. Um, 
you know, every every race this season has um, just upped the hype for the next one and it's keeping on building. So um, look forward to all the excitement then. Okay, Chris, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I know you said it last time, but Twitter, um, web pages, where can we read some of your stuff? So um, you can read my work on motorsportweek.com, uh, which is our uh, typical news outlet. And every Monday we publish Motorsport Monday, which is a weekly motorsport magazine. Published every Monday, hence the name. And we have a UK, US and South African edition. I'm from big Formula E, that's why I'm on here. Uh, so I, I do know things. Um, then personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Soulsby. Uh, I have a Facebook page, there's one of those. And that's by typing in at Chris Soulsby Journalist. And on Instagram, you can follow me on Chris, Soles- Chris underscore Soulsby as well. So it's fairly simple. Excellent. Okay. If you want to have a chat to us, uh, Nath and I are at hello at regenracingpodcast.com. We've got Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and regenracingpodcast.com. I've sorted us some stickers, so if you want some stickers, we're on Patreon, so there is a tier where you can uh, sign up and uh, support us every month and, and get some stickers and some other cool rewards. But to be honest, if you email us, we'll probably give you some stickers anyway. Also, just quickly, if you could please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, that would be really appreciated. Our intro music is uh, Danelle Armour featuring Sarah DeWarren Gallery, and we thank him for letting us use that uh, as our intro. So, I've been Dean. And I'm Nathan. And I'm Chris, again, for the second time. (laughs) (laughs) I might do that again. Alrighty. (laughs) I'm going to leave this in we'll see you next time see you later bye